Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello, beautiful ones. We have got such a lovely episode here, please, with the magnificent artist and writer, Scotty. Thanks generally for listening to the podcast and even bigger thanks if you're telling other people about it on the socials and that. Thank you. Um, Or you can rate, review and subscribe. Give it five stars. Why not? Every now and again, um, when time and guests allow, I am hopping on Instagram live and talking to former hoovering guests. Um, Haven't done one for a couple of weeks. Mixture of childcare and guests availability and shit like that. But uh, there are some more in the pipeline now. Uh, Make sure you're following at the hoovering pod on twitter and on instagram to find out when things are happening next sometimes they might get announced quite last minute um i've got no live work to toot at the moment obviously uh, but i am on the next series of qi so that's a bit of a touch and that'll be out nice and soon please may you watch it um if you've got any spare dollar I reckon give it to a food bank. Uh, If you want to help feed people but you don't have any spare money, have a Google about because um, there are some great schemes now in lots of places where you can cook for people who are shielding or in poverty and either you go cooking and or you're um, given money for the ingredients. Um, And if there isn't a scheme near you and you've got the time and the inclination, have a look at setting one up because I think it is the sort of thing that you'd hopefully either get uh, funding for or be able to get crowdfunded pretty fast for because I don't think you need loads of money, just lots of time and organisation and, and will to cook. Um, anyway, if you're in London, please, uh, if you want to be cooking for people and indeed if you uh, need help and want to get some good food made for you, um, look up Quarantine Cooks London on Instagram 
or also look up Haggerston Mutual Aid. I've had some friends um, going and doing some volunteering and cooking for them as well. Another thing is, it's Pride Week, please. Uh, and Scotty made me aware of these guys. If you've got any uh, spare money, please go to ukblackpride.org.uk and you can donate to that. If and only if after that you've got any more spare money, you can have a look at patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. But really only if uh, you've uh, got any left after you've spuffed some in that, those much more worthy places. So Scotty and me don't fuck about as you're here. We get straight into the heavy stuff from the off. My favourite. It's my favourite when that happens. Um, although I still think it's a funny episode. And if um, you want to back me up on that, feel free to rename the episode Tits Deep with Joe Lysett. I'd be fine with that. Uh, we meet virtually, of course, Scotty and I, for a late brekkie. So naturally, I'm having uh, some leftover dal with yoghurt and rice. I've always wanted to have curry for breakfast on this podcast and I'm, I'm very happy I'm doing that. Um, and Scotty's having some smoking hot looking and sounding Nutella on toast. Mm. It's a bit late for breakfast, isn't it? I have already had a couple of smaller breakfasts earlier and a, well, fucking tiny breakfast, an apple and an, and an egg. But um, I'm having a very weird brunch now. I'm having some leftover beetroot dal. Do you think that makes me a pervert? No, I'm just not sure how I feel about beetroot dal. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. And what are you having? Did you say toast? I went to the co-op last night, especially because um, I wanted some nice bread. So co-op do sourdough nowadays. That's the world Ooh. we live in. Um, and I'm having toast with Nutella on it. Oh, fuck the bed. That's a classic, isn't it? I like it. Well, see, here we go. Let's go knee deep already. I'm yeah. having to, I'm sort of having to learn what food I like. Um, right. And I've got loads of stuff around food. So, you know, we could be here yeah. for a while. But um, <laughs> for me, like, I have to, like, try and divorce guilt from food. So yeah. all of those things about, like, no chocolate for breakfast currently what I'm doing is allowing myself to have chocolate for breakfast and then realising the world doesn't stop, I don't die, and yeah. um, it, it's okay. Yeah. It's, um, oh, God, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm on a similar journey, trajectory, whatever. I, thought, I don't know why I really hate the word journey, but um, I think I just have to use it too often. <laughs> but um, it's the same deal, isn't it? Like uh, the other day I had... The other day I had some pastries for breakfast and um, I was like, well, this is so nice. Um, and I, I totally, I hadn't realised I'd still, there was things I still wasn't doing because uh, some bit of me thought that they were like just a particularly, I wouldn't even say shameful, but like naughty thing to do, to have like a big ass sugary, or like three, <laughs> a croissant of something else and something else, like you know, halved and shared and you're like, oh, whatever. Anyway, I just like, actually, I've always just, I think I've, my narrative has been, I just don't like sweet things that much. And actually, I think I'm having to sort of admit to myself that I really do. <laughs> I just wasn't having them because I, I wasn't allowed or it felt like it had to be a treat or something. I totally get that. I think loads of my relationship with food is totally Catholic. So I grew up <laughs> in a really like Catholic Irish family. And so everything, every 
bit of joy comes with a penance. So <laughs> this idea that like somehow you have this moment to yourself, um, yeah. like has to come with some form of repaying that back. Um, and I'm currently in, in therapy. There we go. Disclosure for the room. And Get it uh, out there. My therapist was like, out of all of the religions, Catholicism is the one that really sticks with people. And I'm like, I mean, it just inhabits so much of my life, but particularly my relationship with food, but more broadly, my relationship with eating, because that's mm. for me where my stuff with food lies. Yeah. Yeah, God, that's so interesting. I have no, um, I don't have any Catholicism in my back background, but I, um, I do think as that 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 broader picture with. So I love how quickly we've got into this shit, Scotty. <laughs> I mean, I thought this was funny. <laughs> People are like, right, that's it. I am not a member of this Patreon any longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we can do we can do funny stuff later i love you i love joe likes it to laser. come up really if you wanted funny <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh i'm sure i can persuade joe likes it to get tits deep into his eating issues within five it's minutes deep with joe <laughs> Um, but (laughs) i get it i get the catholicism thing and i also think that there's uh just a general sense of um you know it, it also comes in with that idea that we're all sold um the idea that we have to deserve food i think that's come in quite um that that quite noisily during uh, this pandemic as well, just from the government and from everywhere that like, you know, it's the, the sort of pressure on people to exercise, to earn the right to eat. Do you know what I mean? That that's, that comes with it as well, doesn't it? That idea that like, oh, well, if I have the thing I really want, if I have the pleasure, uh, if I get the thing I actually desire, then with it will have to come um, some either some exercise that feels like punishment or some starvation or, you know, eating something you you hate but it's got very low energy like you know that that this we're constantly being sold the idea that we must uh balance out pleasure and pain the word starvation really jumped out there because i still have a relationship with food um where i'm like mm, i ate too much last night so i don't eat breakfast this morning and right. i constantly am having to like check in with myself and be like come on let's have a word but that when you were talking there about deserving Mm. and feeling like it's like actually I feel sometimes the opposite for me I feel like I don't deserve it and I'm undeserving and I have that relationship with self-care as well like the internet's a wild place right because I watch all these people doing their self-care regimes eating their lovely food or saying (laughs) things like you know my body just wanted this and I'm just like how do you know How do you not like? I've never thought to myself, my body wants broccoli. I've never. (laughs) (laughs) And so part of me is like, they're a bunch of lying pricks. Like, um, but also like, I don't, I don't deserve to be able to listen to my body. I don't deserve to be Mm. able to be soft because it's luxurious. It's the Nutella on toast. Yeah, yeah. It's not for me because I haven't got a normal relationship with it. Yeah, it's it, absolutely that. I had a um, I had a sort of very uh, like light-hearted 
fallout <laughs> not really but like a, a a comical debate with a mate on a on a podcast on a, a different podcast who had been doing a, like a mindful eating online course who just kept talking about how what they'd really found out was that all their body asked for was literally said broccoli actually and um we had a lot of fun like really laughing about it but ultimately what what you peel away there is that those people are doing some version of mindful or intuitive eating as another diet you know they're doing it to to lose weight to get smaller oh, not, yeah because i tell you what if if i was to go into intuitive eating do you know what i would yeah. be in a worse position than i am now <laughs> if i was to go what intuitively do i want to eat i would yeah. have no teeth left because, <laughs> <laughs> but you know like i think when you have because i've got like obsessions and compulsions <laughs> around food kelsa brie <laughs> i'm not able to, uh, to police myself in that way. And so yeah. I have to have rules in place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people who are intuitive eaters will often be like, maybe you should just listen to your body and stop fighting against it. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I have to, it's because it's the biggest, most violent drug I've ever yeah. had. And I've done them all. And I've done them all really <laughs> well. I've done them all fantastically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I gave yeah. up cocaine quicker than I can reevaluate my relationship with food. And yeah. because with Coke, I was able to go, I don't do that anymore. I yeah, can't yeah. do that with food three times a day. At least yeah. I have to go, how do I feel about you? What do you mean to me? What can I have? What doesn't feel frightening? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, it's like an abusive lover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one that you 100% need. It's almost like an abusive conjoined twin. <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 a tool and a weapon um yeah. and my mum my said that to me from when i was very young and, and I didn't really, really that understand. phrase it's so lovely a tool and a weapon yeah because it really is i mean like food for me and my family is so political so political you know irish catholic family coming out of the famine with all of that like stuff around food working class being like food equals survival food means we're getting on food means we have enough mm. so my nan controlled us with food so i was partly brought up with my grandparents so my yeah. nan controlled food my nan oh. was like this is what you have and this is enough and this is what i've got but then also in the same breath would like i'd come home from school and she'd put my lunch underneath a tea towel and I'd have to make a big song and dance of it because she'd done it. But then oh would gosh. call my parents and be like, he doesn't need anything else to eat tonight. And so food was uh, really controlled in that environment. But then I went oh. home and blessed my mum. My mum lived and still lives with an eating disorder and had bulimia all throughout my childhood and teenage years. Right. And so her relationship with food is, is as a result of my nan's and my relationship with food as a result of all of that. Um, So like, if you were asked me to like draw a Venn diagram of food, it would definitely be like Irishness, commonness, class and queerness. I think, I think I used that when I was like in my teenage years being like, I think I might be a Mary, but I don't want to tell anybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You just like, you know, the reliance of the fridge and the cupboard, like it's always there. It's like the friends that never talks back. Um, But 
so I think I've, you know, I've been listening to you and listening to podcasts and listen to your relationship and stuff that you've spoken about with food and really mm. hearing lots of similarities. But I think yeah. my relationship with food is more about the culture of it now and about yeah. the obsessions and compulsions I have around it, around yeah. texture, who I can do it in front of, where I will eat, where I won't eat, what I'll eat, what I won't eat. And so it's just a complex mess, isn't it? So well done on doing a podcast about it because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, darling. Well, I just think everybody... I mean, God, you're so fucking articulate about where you're at with it. But it's... Um, I do think every... I've I, I, I'm, I'm yet to meet anybody who has a really simple relationship with eating. Anyone. And um, it's just about how much sort of um, space you've given it to, to space you've given yourself to analyze it in your life ultimately and the few people I've met who've ever said no 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 mine's pretty simple have either got um uh another addiction <laughs> or they're lying I think um not necessarily I'm not saying it's not fixable but you know what I mean it's just so fucking complicated um, only articulate because about 10 minutes before this I paid someone 40 quid to listen to <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what I'm doing for you now do you know what I mean it was like the dress, dress rehearsal with them but also as well, I grew up with a mum who from a very young age was like you know I remember in our council flat my mum having fat as a feminist issue on the kitchen table yes my first therapist gave me that very problematic it turns out difficult one it's quite a difficult one but mm. when the stuff in there about food and class i find yes. you know it's it's so important because fatness yes. is used against the working classes so much yeah. um and it's coded within our media all the time and to be able to and this you know it's only ever posh people that have said but a carrot costs nine pence um yeah. <laughs> fuck you now well come round my ass and fucking make that carrot into a meal for nine people <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, uh yeah and so i think it's it, 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 it's a helpful piece of literature on mm. that basis but you know there are other great people who've written really great books about the body and fatness that i think are equally important oh god i think um I, I read that book years and years ago. My first um, first therapist sort of tried to call me out. It's the wrong word, but bring up eating with me. And I, I 100% wasn't ready. Um, and, and I felt very exposed and defensive and angry with her. <laughs> but... Um, and, then I, and then I read that book. And what I found really interesting, I said on the podcast before, but it's um, it, over the course of the next five six years I knew maybe another five six people who'd read it and we all took a different message from it and I think that's quite extraordinary about the book um for example like I've never heard what you know I've never I've I'm middle class like I've never heard anyone speak about getting that from that book like you just have I think mean, that's amazing I had another friend who read it and um um took a lot of stuff from it about uh um, purpose and ultimately really took the message from it that um, you can do whatever you want. Um, you need to break all the rules to be able to make your own new rules. So you need to smash all the rules down to be able to make new rules. But it was important to eventually have new rules again. And that I found really interesting. Whereas I read it and at the time I, I, I thought it, I didn't realise how toxic this was, but I read it and took from it, if you are, fat it's because you're eating so much 
on purpose, you're doing it on purpose. It's a conscious thing that you're choosing as an excuse for failure. That's what I took from that book. <laughs> and how has how has that gone down? How's that helped? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely made things worse for a very long time. Good, 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 good. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Some things you can read and you're like, whoa, no, actually that's just put me back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defo. Say scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, all the time. And I think lockdown's hard. I think uh, I don't know how you're finding lockdown generally in terms of effect on your relationship with eating. But um, at the start, I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm cooking loads more, so that's got to be good, isn't it? But actually, the longer it's gone on, and the more time I've spent extra in my own head, the more I've thought. I've caught myself flirting with, uh, oh, flirting with the constant noise to do a little something, even on the download, to try and get a bit smaller. <laughs> well, I think locked, lockdown has been like a series of emotions for me with, yeah. with my body and eating and food. I think the first like big take home is like, I really just wanted to say to everybody, welcome to the club, because yeah. um, I live with anxiety and depression and yeah. seeing everybody else kind of suddenly panicked about life. I was like, mm. guys, this is what we've been doing for a really long time. <laughs> like, <laughs> practiced for this moment. So I feel really like um, mm. I'm in a quite strong position mentally, um, which feels awful because like you see friends who are like really affected by it. And yeah. I'm just like, actually, this is where medication really kicks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um, but I don't think we are used to spending this amount of time walking past the, the bedroom and bathroom mirror and yeah. um, kind of having those internal monologues with ourselves. Um, so I found that quite difficult, kind of constantly judging myself because you know, it's it's you, whoever you're living with, and the, a reflection, essentially. It's exactly that, a reflection. I hadn't even thought about it in terms of... I, th- I thought about it in terms of how much extra time spent inside my own head, but also the fact that if you, up until very recently, want to socialise face-to-face with anyone you love or like even, or work with even, um, who you don't live with, you have to, while you're talking to them, also look at yourself. That's a head fuck. That's really, not natural. And really pull yourself apart because you'd be like, oh, yesterday I looked better on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even, and I've found myself, I don't know, just kind of going like, why aren't you? You're not even looking at them. You're looking at yourself and you're <laughs> the vanity. But then also you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know how else to get through this other than know that I'm doing a face I don't hate. <laughs> Yeah, or just thinking, like, I'll put this top on today because other people are staring at me. So yeah. going out into the world is, is, you know, it's just functional at the moment. Whereas before, when you know you're going to meet people that you're going to engage with or work with, it's a little bit like, okay, well, what do I wear? Like, I yeah. I, I, am sort of longing for the days of putting on jeans. <laughs> like, yes. putting on some form of clothes and having that sort of, performance i guess and that sort of getting ready um but i have in lockdown found this cook that i really like um so i've been watching i like i think my my pastime is watching other people make food on youtube (laughs) oh nice (laughs) um and so there's this cook 
called Alison Roman. And right. she does stuff for the New York Times. And she's mm. a bit like a young Nigella who likes millennial pink. And she's, right. and you know, recently she said a couple of like bitchy things about some women of color who are her peers. And then she was oh. like, actually, hang on. I've put my hands up here. I'm being really right. critical. Um, right. But she also makes the, the best, world's best cookies. So <laughs> swings and <laughs> roundabouts. You know swings and I mean? roundabouts. But she's her palate, I think, is really similar to mine because I don't, right. I, I don't like sloppy food and I don't like wet food. Right, right, right. You'd hate this doll. What I, I said? That's when I was like, mm, beetroot mm. doll. I don't. <laughs> like, you know what? If the lentils are like firm enough that I can bite them, fine. Yeah. If it's basically like pureed sludge i'm like yeah. no thank you it is um, i'm afraid it's pureed sludge soup all oh, the worst the worst <laughs> i've had so many people I've had so many people be like what the fuck is the point of soup and i thought we had like this i thought like it was close to cakes in terms of the um the psyche of the Western world as being such a comforting stalwart of history. But actually, it turns out loads of people fucking ate soup. It's just not enough and it's too wet. But see, look, if you were to give me a, a, like a broth, so like a broth with like potatoes and a bit of something in it, I'd mm. be like, yes, I can have that. It feels familiar. It feels safe. You yeah, want to yeah, give yeah. me some form of like wet hummus? I, I like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Because you can get you can get a wet hummus. <laughs> yeah, you can actually just put some water in some hummus. Horrific. Just buy it from Sainsbury's. Yeah. <laughs> in to that like re knobhead. That's like yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I have got to make my own hummus from now on. <laughs> oh, just like that's what lockdown has taught me. Okay, here's the take home. Everybody yeah. write it down. <laughs> hummus has to be homemade from now on because. Yeah. In lockdown, all I could get was tin chickpeas. Don't worry, it was from the Aldi. Went yeah. to the Aldi and they just had rows of chickpeas. So I thought, well, you know, if this is what we're doing, we're all in this together. When and in just, Rome, when in Aldi. When in Aldi, you make your own hummus. And I'll tell you what, you, you won't look back. Really? I've made it once and um, I I spent so long getting the individual jacket or casing or whatever it's called off of each fucking chickpea I don't think I'm ever going to make the room in my life for that again. Did you bother with that? <laughs> you just open two cans of chickpeas. You yeah. put it in a food processor with some garlic tahini and maybe whatever else you fancy. And then you've Squirt got two lemon. cups. If, uh, if you're that way inclined. I am. I like sambal in it. Ooh, what's that? See, I say things and people are like, I've never heard of that before. And then I describe them and they're like, oh, you mean sambal. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like a tomatoey chili reduction with chili seeds and Ooh. paprika and oh. I think it's probably I think it's North African. Um mm. it's in that sort of realm of like harissa and yeah, 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 yeah. I hear yeah. And that does I think that would be fierce on some hummus. Yeah. I got you, I got you, I got you. I'm trying it. I'm gonna try it. Okay, done. <laughs> I found that during lockdown, I've been sort of quite joyfully giving way less fucks about um, having like 
something you'd normally have for dinner for breakfast and stuff like that. I wondered if you've eaten anything particularly look, uh, short of having made your own hummus, which also I need to put my hands up and a bit. I made my own kimchi. I'm the worst cunt I've ever met. Um, I just kept getting loads of cabbages in my veg box that I get and um, I did it. And it's the worst smelling thing I've ever made, but it tastes amazing and I'm really... It does sort of, I don't know. We don't know each other very well, but are you happy to talk about toilet stuff or are you squeamish about that? Knock yourself out. I don't get people that don't like talking about shit. <laughs> well, I... I someone who's having Nutella on toast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can have a podcast. I've learned that you can't have a podcast about eating without talking about perception of bodies and movement of bodies and shit. It always both those things always come up in every episode. Um, but basically, I love I love the kimchi I've made. It tastes so good. It's I don't know if you like kimchi. But it's like, um, but the one I've made is like uh, quite spicy, but um, it's almost not too much. If anyway, it just like it works really well with other stuff. You'd never want it on its own. But I'm proud of myself ultimately for this wanky thing I've made. But this twenty minutes after you've eaten it. Be prepared for an absolute motherfucking clear out. I can, there's a really good recipe I can give you for a cheese toasting, which Ooh. involves kimchi. Where Please. now, bear with me because I think people are just going to be like, okay, she's lost the fucking plot. But <laughs> where you fry it in the pan, Ooh. bread, put your cheese in between it with your kimchi, mm. and instead of putting butter in the pan, just spread mayonnaise on the outsides of the bread and fry <sighs> in the mayonnaise. Holy fucking shit. This sounds like the kind of game-changing business that is the stuff of dreams for me. Frying a sandwich instead of grilling it. Do you know the only person I've ever seen do that is my Scottish girlfriend. I I was like, what? <laughs> the slipper <It's>... fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, if I do it in mayonnaise, yeah. So if right. you just butter the bread with mayonnaise and then fry it on that, because essentially it's just like tasty dairy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's eggs, isn't there? Somewhere yeah. along the line, there's eggs in mayonnaise and eggs fried are fit, fit as fuck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. 
Have you eaten anything particularly or drunk anything, actually? Any by which I think I mean any weird combination and or uh, or like something where you would never have eaten or drunk that if it wasn't lockdown because it was like some some shit at the back of the cupboard that you were like, all right, let's just do this now or never. People tend to think the food that I eat is strange. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, a, a big favourite of mine is hummus on toast with the chopped up banana. Ooh. Love banana and hummus together. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoy that. I also really enjoy, I'm not massive on meat, but when I do, yeah. I really like it to be sweet. Ooh, okay. Like them Coca-Cola chicken and stuff like that that people do. Nah, 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 nah none of that rubbish. Like when you, um, like, uh, what's it called? Like raisin bread. I think they call it raisin bread in Australia, Ooh. which is like, you know, like a loaf with currants and raisins through it. Yeah. That as a bacon sandwich. Wow. Hot cross bun with a sausage in it. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> behaviour. That- Eccles cake with cheese. I love that. Love that savoury and sweet mm. palaver. Well, do you know what? I think it's not as weird as you think. I mean, if you if you just said someone, I like salty and sweet things together, then that wouldn't sound as weird. And I only learnt through this podcast, but... In Yorkshire, apparently, it's like totally normal to have a slice of fruit bread with cheddar on it. And it'd be very weird to have the fruit bread like a like a cake, basically, on its own. You sort of have to have a bit of cheese on it. You know, the Eccles cake, which is like a bit of pastry with raisins and sugar. You yeah. put a bit of cheddar on top of that. And that's the sort of traditional way of having an Eccles cake. Is it? Is it anyone other than your tradition, though? to pop a sausage in a hot cross bun? <laughs> Such personal questions. Said the actress to the bishop. So uh, I think a lot of my food behaviours came because, bless my parents, they've been sober for, I think, about seven or eight years now. But mm-hmm. for a long time during my childhood, they were hopeless drunks. And yeah. um, <laughs> I say that with like real love and affection because mm-hmm. because uh, actually there was, when when people hear that they often think neglect and yeah. actually I I had a mother that always encouraged me and made me creative and gave me escapism but Amazing. I was often awake very early on my own so it meant mm. that I would just climb into the cupboard and piece together bits of food for myself. Yeah. Um, and so my, I have like a, a quite, um, uh, my relationship with toast, the reason to eat toast today isn't because yes. it's like what you have for breakfast, but it's uh, like for the last week, I've probably been having toast two or three times a day Great. because it just takes all of the thinking and the fear and the worry and the choice out of food for me because yes. it's just so familiar. I've made it for myself for a really long time. I can just put something on it. I can eat it. And then I don't have to think about it. And so I don't have to have this dialogue that goes along with food for me. Um, So I don't know how we got there, but we did. Oh, Um, God, no. I absolutely love it. I know exactly what you mean. I I think it was like Finder's Crispy Pancakes are the one thing that make me think of spending time on my own as a kid 
sorting out what it was I was going to eat. But then, do you know what? What I've not done is I think what sounds like a lovely self-kindness of going and finding some now. I don't even know if they still exist. I hope they do. Because they used to make um, ice creams and lollies and stuff. My granddad used to bring those broken lollies and ice creams for the kids on the estate. Um, oh. So Findus, like crispy pancakes, it's a line in my show, which is where yeah. I'd say to middle class people in the room, I say, um, you know, if you don't know what a crispy pancake is, it's like a working class person's crepe. And I think it's the, <laughs> the best description of a crispy pancake because... It just feels so indulgent. You're right, but it, it has got that sense of luxury and self-care about it. Yeah, totally. Like, even though, like, I don't know, I look back on it now and be like, well, yeah, it was a, it was basically like a savoury Pop-Tart with, like, just some liquidy mints in it. But to be honest, it's we haven't come that far on. This was the 80s that I was eating that all day and all night. So the like, Kiev, it, wasn't it? it? Yeah, the Kiev, and also, but also, it's it. Do you know what it's so similar to? Is the Greg's vegan steak bake? I think they've taken a bit of inspiration from the mince Finder's crispy pancake. I have genuinely missed. You know, people are talking about like, are you really? Are you, can't you wait to get back to your friends, see your family? I just want to hug somebody. I just want to have some connection. I'm like, I just want a vegan sausage roll from Greg's. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, I've tried. I've gone on the website to see if you can buy them fucking frozen. No, yeah. of course you can't. <laughs> Heartbreaking. At some point, are you going to ask some questions on this podcast? I know. I'm so sorry. It's, it's your fault for being too fucking interesting. Sorry. Um, here we go. Here's one. Um, have you got any particular memories or opinions of like big uh, event or occasion eating? Like birthdays, weddings, that kind of thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> really glad, really glad I bothered asking a question. <laughs> no, I, no, I haven't actually. Um, uh, food, food again, yeah, like food, and it's sort of occasionness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking of like the Colin the Caterpillar birthday cake. Yes, that you'd always have because the kitchen table in my house wasn't where we ate. It was like when right. my mum gossiped with the neighbours and smoked <laughs> and hedges and drunk <laughs> um, yeah. So the kitchen table was like where you had that posed photograph of you yeah. cutting into the Colin Caterpillar. I think yeah. I remember when, like for Christmas or Easter, if we got vouchers or if mum had a little bit more money, she'd pick up a few bits from Marx's and we'd be like, mum's oh. <gasps> got Marx's yeah. bits in. Um, yes. Like, oh my god! So I, I kind of really fond memories of doing the food shop in Sainsbury's with mum and dad on a Saturday, and getting back around six six thirty, and dad giving me a plate of like half a pork pie. I mean, the wonder I turned out to be a big fat Mary, isn't it? Half <laughs> a pork pie, and then like a little bit of cheese and maybe a Scotch egg. And sitting in front of the telly, having that, watching the generation game. Wicked. Most of the food for me as a, as a as a kid or a teenager is about going to the chip shop. Like I remember my first Donna Kebab 
it was just mind-blowing where I was just yeah. like, this tastes of something. <laughs> like, and, I mean, it was purely probably just like pepper and Alsatian. But it yeah. was... <laughs> it was Elephant just leg, we used to call it. <laughs> just tasty. Like, that, that yeah. food discovery... Um, I remember going to this person's house. I met like a posh person at this drama workshop when I was 15. And um, <laughs> she had a bit of an edgy haircut. And um, we went back to her house and she called her mum by her first name. And I was like, these people are wild. These people are crazy. <laughs> and we were, we were given a glass of red wine with the dinner. And I was just like, what are these parents doing? They're mental. Um, oh, and having God. risotto. Um, in her house for the first time and also having pesto for the first time when I was like 15, 16 and just being like, this is the most delicious thing ever. Why have middle class people hidden this from us? (laughs) 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 Yeah, fucking hell. Oh God, I've um, I've really found during lockdown that I'm conjuring up some very ancient memories, but I have the same thing. I, I think it's such a a lovely thing to remember different types of eating as uh, as part of rituals. And I think exactly, I think, yeah, that, uh, more than big occasions. It's so true. I had a thing where my, uh, my dad worked in London, but I grew up in Dorset and he came back for weekends. And every Saturday morning we would, once he was up, we would walk into town and um, he'd get me a sausage roll, like a hot sausage roll. That was, it was pre-Greg's because I'm very old. And um, I'd have to stand outside Labrooks and have my sausage roll, but I loved it. And then um, when he'd done his bets, I, I got my pocket money and I'd always buy like a few terrible little China objet dar and then just loads of sweets and then go home and I'd sit and eat them on the lounge floor while he watched his races. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> we really love you being like, I'm going to spend this money. I'm going to invest this money in China. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I had some absolute shit. I, I got obsessed with buying shit. And I remember once it was Father's Day and I bought him a, I bought him some China shit. And he was like, never again. I'll stop giving you pocket money. I don't want this shit. He was, he's very honest, if nothing else, my dad. <laughs> I'm really quite enjoying that this this podcast is basically me and you having various moments of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, what is any podcast, Scotty? <laughs> Very true. Come on. Very true. Yeah. Oh, I love it, and I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I think I think those sort of remembering those bits of rituals. Whenever we went to the supermarket, we never went the three of us. But whenever we came back, I remember we'd get some fresh bread and like just eating it, just with butter on. As soon as you got in, I've started doing that again um, in lockdown, and it's there's so much joy in that. I'd just forgotten it was a thing you could do. Absolute cliche, but it's so symbolic. It's so yeah. homely. It's so comfortable. It's so comforting. Like particularly, I, I remember, like my great aunt would send us down from her place two massive loaves of barmbra, which is like Ooh. an Irish loaf, I guess, like a Ooh. fruit loaf. But it's often overcooked, so the outside is like quite crispy, and right. the inside is quite fluffy. It's like a soda mm. bread with fruit, essentially. Um, mm. And I remember that coming down in tin foil, and me and my mum just being like, "We've just got to have some now." With yes. lashings of butter. 
Yes. I'll make that for my mum now that my great aunt has passed. It's like I make soda mm-hmm. breads and I make those foods. I've got a recipe. My nan's still alive, bless her. But I make her brazen steak, which is like one of the first meals I can ever remember eating. Um, wow. And what is that? <clears throat> it's like braised steak. Mm. Um, so bits of steak that are cooked off and browned and then they're just like put in chicken stock that you've made from a carcass, bit of pearl barley, potato, a bit of sweat, a carrot, bit of scallion. And then it's just like, you just leave it to cook and then you just warm it up when you need it. And when I make those things, um, my husband always says to me, I'm going to leave you with your ancestors in the kitchen because I think... I love it! There is is something really ritualistic about it. And the brother we were also is like, yeah, this is is my culture. This is what I grew up with. This is what feels familiar. This recipe was my nan's mum's. Do you know what I mean? And there are those moments of connection, particularly as somebody like who grew up outside of Ireland who like all of my cultural heritage is Irish. Um, right. You know, so it's, it, it's like when you grow up outside of Ireland and you don't sound Irish, you're constantly having to prove your Irishness. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a strange relationship with that again, you know, because at school you're always the Irish kid. And then when you go back home to see your cousins, you're the English kid. And yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. kind of in this, lost cacophony of like cultural identity um but my honestly my favorite if you, you know i don't know if you've ever played that game of like what's your top three favorite cuisines um yeah, it's yeah, a really yeah. I've, I've said that and it sounds like a really shit game it's a really like, good game but my answer changes every time i play it yeah yeah i know what you mean what are well, yours well uh, mexican mm, good shout of cheese and it's crisp and a lot of crispness the texture is yeah. quite important to me i really love japanese food the japanese wow. make the best fried chicken in the world chicken karaage mm. yeah but my third one is completely related to my irishness because, nice. <laughs> because no, nobody in the world has ever gone what should we have tonight should we go out for irish those are words that have <laughs> never ever been uttered but uh, I really enjoy German food because it's like an exotic Irish food. Yes. Like a kind of, yeah, a culinarily uh, infused, wise Irish food. It's, God, that's so true. There's a lot of potato, a lot of bacon. Like cabbage and potatoes is one of my favourite Irish dishes, hands down. Um, I love, like... You know, Kilcannon and mm, Coddle, and I just love. Uh, have you had Coddle before? Is that um, with smoked fish? It's like Irish stew, but instead of like chunks of meat, you've got boiled, <laughs> boiled sausages. Oh fuck! I mean, it, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be one of those things. I know exactly what you mean, and I've seen it. I don't think I I definitely had something like that in my life, but. Um, uh, you know, I've not had it with that name in Ireland, but it's one of those things that's going to look like shit, but taste amazing, isn't it? There's another th- great dish from Dublin. I call it a dish as if like it's that culinary, but actually people take it really seriously, which is a spice bag, which you oh. get in like Chinese takeaways, which is like a bag of salt and pepper, 
um, chips and it's got green peppers and fried green peppers, fried onions, a bit of chili and fried battered chicken in it. And then I had never heard of this until about 10 weeks ago and I had Alison Spittle on here, brilliant Irish comedian, and she said, talked about exactly the same thing and it blew my fucking mind. I hope, and not to take away from the specialness of having, having it in Dublin, but I so hope this that shit goes global because I need to try it and it's probably a long time till I can get on a plane to Dublin. A strange thing that I love, it's like Dublin isn't that far away, right? Like the closest yeah. city to Dublin isn't Cork, it's Liverpool. Do you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's not a million miles away, but if you go to like a spa or a co-op in Liverpool, you mm. would not get a deli counter and the deli counter in Ireland are just the best thing. So I don't know if Alison spoke to you about these, but no, talk to me about the deli counter, please. So you can just go into a spa, right? You know, like a sweet shop and everyone has a deli counter. And my Mm. sort of go-to is like a spicy chicken roll where you've got these fresh rolls and you can choose exactly what you want in it. It's like a really good version of prayer but you're allowed to make your own sandwich. Nice. Because Subway, I'm really sceptical about because that bread smells very different to how it tastes. Yeah, it's so true. They've sprayed a bit of like herb perfume on it, do you reckon? It's like they're baking bread for Waitrose and then they give you the bread that Waitrose doesn't want any longer after six weeks. And there's just something about that transaction where I'm like, that's that's not what I'm going to get. But you're, you've almost got me, but I'm not going to fall for it again. But yeah, you go into a spa, and but you, you can get like a, a cup of sausages, oh. possibly the best place in the world. A cup of sausages. A cup of sausages. Oh, I mean, that's just uh, four words in a row. I just never expected to hear in my life. And I feel like I've definitely... Um, I've got a better life for having heard those four words in a row. A couple of sausages. <laughs> I was touring. Um, I made a dance show that's still on the, on the road. Well, when it's allowed to be back on the road, called Fat yes. Moments, which is about fatness and our bodies and our relationship with how people treat our bodies. And yeah. the show was touring Ireland. And I remember <coughs> showing the performance. I was like, let's just go get a, a roll from the deli. Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean? So I was like, oh, oh yeah, let me show you this. It's great. You can have it, whatever. The, the look on their faces when they could see a cup of sausages, they were like, the, the, can we all have a cup of sausages? Um, <laughs> it's a thing of beauty and a thing of joy. It's, I mean, I should technically work for the Irish tourism. <laughs> you should. A cup of sausages is never going to sit naturally comfortably without a hot placeholder, is it, in a millenn- in many millennials' hearts? It does seem like the antithesis of everything. Uh, everything like avocado like or vegan. Or, yeah, keep cups. <laughs> <laughs> if four little holders inside a oh yeah oh god desperate to try that. Can I ask you what your top three cuisines are? Yeah. Um, right now, today, my top three cuisines are um, Thai. Like, I just, I think that's the one um, uh, nationality of food that when um, I first tried it, I was probably in my uh, oh, late teens and it was some friends, again, posher than 
posher than me's friend's family had cooked a Thai chicken curry. And I just never had that combination of flavours before. Like I think I'd never had anything like lemongrass or lime leaves and coconut milk I'd never tried. So all those things were the first time ever. I'd had Indian curries, probably terrible ones in that were on offer from takeaways in Dorset where I grew up. <laughs> Embarrassing. But um, I remember having my mouth and like heart and pants blown by by just the flavours in Thai food. So definitely that. I think I'm going to go Mexican as well because um, as much as when it's bad, it's very, very bad. When it's good, it's so good. Like, and, um, and I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm like a high-end basic bitch in the sense that if I'm out and about in town and I've got time to sit down and eat something and I've got like en enough money going on at the time, then I'll be Oaxaca all day and all night. It's one of the places I miss most. I love that the... place. Mm, so good. Um, it's like, I think everybody talks to talk about Wagamamas and I have a lot of love for there too, but I, it's got to be, I'd have, I'd happily, there was a week where for whatever reasons meeting up with people or I think I went to Oaxaca two, if not three times in a week. And I was like, that's a great week. That's a life well lived. <laughs> well done. You did that really well. Well done. Thanks. And I don't know what, to, I don't know what to say for the third one. Um, I feel like I'm just sort of copying you, but uh, I've got an, uh, I had an Austrian grandmother and that's the only sort of food other than, uh, you know, English food that I ever had growing up. And I don't think I really appreciated it until long after she was dead that, 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 that there was some quite unique and delicious stuff going on there. Lots of like long, slow cooked chicken broths and schnitzel. I don't really say I hardly ever eat meat anymore, but schnitzel's just the most exciting thing in the universe. I'd definitely still eat that if I went to Austria again. Um, Absolute best. That yeah. and, a, and, the, and kartoffel salad. The, um, <laughs> yes. uh, oh, yeah, come on. Best potato salad ever. I think the trick, apparently, because my mum, who's, yeah, it's my dad's mum that was Austrian, but my mum copied it forever, is um, if you're ever making any potato salad, to put, to use really, to poshest mayonnaise you can afford in it and to stick it on while the potatoes are still hot and let it like ooze into everything and almost vanish so you can't see it. Uh, and uh, putting a bit of apple in there. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Get in. A bit I'm of sat hair in your um, what do you call it? In your kimchi. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to give that a go for sure. Mm, yum in my tongue. A chicken that's a magician does a spell that goes wrong and all water turns into oil. It's a fucking disaster. Everyone except for cars are really angry and thirsty and the world starts getting all dry or slippery within seconds. The chicken magician agrees, though, to do a counter trick and set everything right, but only if you, and weirdly, it does have to be you, Scotty, do a Zumba class, but in scuba gear under the seabed somewhere quite cold, like um, Scotland. It sounds impossible, but you do it. You're the hero of all people forever and ever and ever. Your reward is to go down in history as uh, somebody who saved us all from um, a really oily world. Um, but your reward in the moment is the feast of your dreams. And obviously, like uh, what I mean by setting up that situation is that I want you to be the happiest and the hungriest possible combination of yourself. Uh, yeah. What would your dream feast be? I'd love to know what you'd eat, what you'd drink. And if there's a who with and where, then who with and where, please.
big decisions to be made here. Um, <laughs> I like that I'm taking this really dead seriously as well. Good. Okay. No, I like it. I am going to say I'd love it just to be me and my mum. Yes. going to say I want to be with my mum and just with my mum. I want us to have a meal with each other any policing or any guilt or any fear it's aforementioned barn brack with loads of fucking butter and I want us to be at my granddad's kitchen table and I think that simplicity is all that I'd like I'd just like us to be with each other and calm around food I think that would be really nice I'd love my mum not to say what she was going to eat before she was going to eat it. Yes. Oh, what beautiful answer. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for doing this, my love. It's honestly, it's really beautiful to be able to like off, offload your shit. I, I don't really talk about this stuff because, oh. you know, when you're a fat person, people often want you to be fat and sold. And I guess yes. fatness for me all fat, all fat and broken and for me yeah. I'm kind of neither one or the other I'm sort yeah. of fat and in progress yeah 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 oh I love it joyful and um and kind of a lot more real and realistic and probably where the vast majority of people who um certainly at least purport to be totally solved are anyway although not to say that solved isn't what we could all we can all still aim for. I'm worried a few things I've said make it sound a bit hopeless, but actually you can function as a work in progress pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fucking happily, actually, a lot of the time, can't you, really? I really like that. You can function as a work in progress. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that for the rest of the yeah. day. Yay! Oh! Oh my God, I fell in love. What a fucking babe Scotty is. Follow them on Instagram. It will bring you so much joy. Um, I bet you do already, don't you? Uh, but if not, get on there now and look up Scotty is Fat. It's S-C-O-T-T-E-E. Scotty is Fat. And uh, their book, Class, is available to buy from their website. Go to scotty.co.uk. Yes, please. Um, in terms of stuff going on uh, with a podcast, keep an eyeball on Instagram and, and Twitter, at the Who pod and I'll be uh, piping up on there um, sometimes last minute sometimes with notice about doing Instagram lives with uh, previous hoovering guests I'm on the next series of QI so you can see me on the telly there uh, got any spare money I reckon this week give it to ukblackpride.org.uk uh, if you've got any spare time but not money why don't you go and do some cooking if you're London based for Haggerston Mutual Aid or Quarantine Cooks London uh, follow us on social media I've already mentioned the podcast it's on there at the Hoovering Pod and I'm on there too at Jessica Fosterkey you can tweet me anything longer than a tweet you can email me through my website jessicafosterkey.com huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway until next week happy Hoovering Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.